following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight! It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 188, and I'm your host, Lee Russell, joined by my co-host, Daniel Harper. How you doing, sir? I'm doing quite well. Uh, it's the end of the year, and I feel fine. Do you? Okay. I mean, I <laughs> don't really feel fine. I don't. Uh, you know, there's no snow in my area, uh, which uh, means we're all going <laughs> to die. We're all going to die. That's what that means. I'm not saying there should be snow here. Um, but normally there will be two feet of snow on the ground outside. So uh, we're all going to die, but uh, ultimately we can still talk about movies until the end. That's that's where we live. It feels like one of those uh, winters where, especially because we're geographically close enough where we sort of get the same uh, weather patterns most of, most of the year. I have a feeling that we're going to get like two or three really awful weeks in like January. <laughs> right. It's just going to fuck us. Like it's going to be like ice storms and everything. Yeah, yeah. We're going to yeah. get like like five feet of snow right after I'm supposed to be back to work. It's just going to kill us all, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. We are happy to be joined by one of our most prolific posters on our Facebook group. Of course, not his uh, most outstanding credit. Of course, uh, He's also... No, it yeah. is. It totally is. <laughs> prolific commenter in our, on our Facebook group. That is the highest status any human being can achieve. It's so great, I can't even achieve it. Yeah. <laughs> and he is also very involved in the in the uh, film industry. He's a little jack of all trades kind of. He does a little bit of everything. Um he's he, I was looking at his IMDb. I did the research, of course. He's done a bunch of uh, fan films, shorts, television work, uh even a few features. He's he's in now as well. Uh Cameron Sullivan, how are you doing, sir? Uh thank you for having me on the show. I'm doing pretty good. Oh. For the longest time, everyone would go to the other Cam Sullivan that was on IMDb, which was like credited for like cinematographer of Pot Zombies too, or once some. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but I did not make that movie. There's like, been on worse. I, w- I was looking. There was like fourteen Cameron Sullivans on IMDb, uh, and they and they don't even put the Roman numerals behind any of them. Like no one's doing their homework here. So. IMDb fucked it up. So merge a few different ones it's like and then there were others where i was like uh, i'm gonna silently omit that (laughs) (laughs) i was looking at one today and when i was trying to find your page his only credit was like gaffer on some short movie somewhere it's like that's not him that's definitely not him oh doesn't happen but that's that one (laughs) yeah uh, that's uh, more of an IMD presence, IMDb presence than i have so you know i i would love to be the gaffer on a short film in 2019 and that be like the only thing I've ever known. I can see you voicing uh, Mucinex commercial or Ford. Not of after all. You are making your first appearance on this podcast, so as tradition states, we have to play a round of movie God. <laughs> so, so Cameron, um, 
I think I know your sort of taste in movies a little bit. Uh, you definitely have uh, an affinity for uh, low-budget sort of uh, action movies and stuff like that. You've even been involved in producing some of those. So uh, I'm going to play Movie God with you, and I think you know how the game goes. I give you two things, and you have to kill one of them off. It's either an actor, uh, director, writer, film, whatever. And not only that, but they get removed from the timeline. So anything that might have come from this person or persons that uh, was a result of their work uh, also disappears from the timeline. Yeah. (laughs) It's a gamble. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Cameron, you are the movie god, and you must kill one of these two actors from the timeline. You must uh, eliminate either Andrew Divoff or Treat Williams. Man, <laughs> kill the wishmaster or kill the substitute. <laughs> this is an easy one. As much as as beloved as Treat is, and still that fucker's like seventy eight years old, and he's still working. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with. I mean, nothing against him. Uh, I mean, they're both very talented people and very they they can be chameleons. But uh, I'm sorry, Treat is gonna have to go on this one because Devoff. I mean, speaks six different languages, knows martial arts. <laughs> Come on, Toy Soldiers, another 48 Hours, Air Force One, the list goes on. So it's just, it's just more prolific, more di- a little slightly more diverse. And I'm sorry, Drew. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, very quick, very cold, but uh, I respect it. Uh, that's what's good. We love the harsh movie gods. Those are the favorites. It's just like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck him. Who cares? Trey Williams, you're done. <laughs> Yeah, you have been substituted, uh, sir. It's not like we were judging Jesus Franco or U Ball or even I don't know some other infamous movie maestro, right? Weinstein or Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun one. That's a fun one. Wow. That's one we have to save for somebody. That... <laughs> I mean, Cosby at least had good morals before he found out, hey, he rapes people. <laughs> Weinstein, he lost money, so I don't think he really did any good. I mean, although Tarantino will still suck his cock just to say, oh, he made me. <laughs> yeah, Tarantino needs to, you know, not, not say anything anymore about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, w- well done. Well done, Cameron. All right. Can move on now. Uh, we have some comments to get through here, so uh, we'll try to get through these as quick as possible. I'll just mention Darren Wilson. Uh, did you see these, uh, Daniel? Darren Wilson put up a couple <laughs> the, more uh, memes. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, uh, Holmes put, Alone. That, that yeah. was great. Yeah. Oh, Holmes Alone. Yeah. Holmes Alone and Holmes Alone 2. Put Rathbone in uh, uh, Home Alone films. So, yeah. yeah. No, they're great. Yeah. Thank you. We love the memes. We love the memes. Yeah, keep them I love coming. That I request memes, and then they just appear on our Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we have a YouTube comment. Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> so I get the feeling like our podcast got shared to like Indonesia or someplace like recently because we keep getting like commenters from that sort of region of the world. Did like Jakarta just get YouTube or something like that? I don't. I don't uh, understand how Podbean works. Pod, Podbean <laughs> started, did, did a massive outreach to Jakarta, and uh, you know we get five YouTube comments based on it. 
that's that's the way it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Skype where you pretty much you can pretty much imply that there's a mostly Indian staff there. You know. <laughs> right. Someone called Vin Kataraman Soma Sundaram, <laughs> and this this is, this is on our bad day at Blackrock. Uh, <laughs> So I wonder if it's actually our podcast or whether, or, or whether it's just two select videos, Bad Day at Black Rock and, like, uh, our our coffee. There, there's some fuckery going on with the YouTube algorithm where that video is showing up in the weirdest places. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, uh, but he says, uh, classic movie, not this video. <laughs> so... I, I and I replied to him. It's like you're you're catching on. <laughs> I'm just waiting for one of your sexy films to get commented on, and someone, some perv or troll, just goes, "Oh, there's not enough bareback in this video, man." <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff Williams, uh, he has a recommendation of the week, and uh, this is Night World from 1932. Not sure if I previously recommended this film. But I'm going to double down anyway for when you guys cover something from the 1930s as it's a rollicking pre-code talkie with a ton of illicit fun, naughtiness, and mayhem all packed efficiently into its 57-minute runtime. Boris Karloff stars as a club owner with a mean right hook named Happy and his Frankenstein co-star Mae Clark as a hoofer with a heart of gold. Also, Busby Berkeley's choreography uh, puts in an appearance. Oh, yeah. So nice. What's this called again? Uh, Night World, 1932. All right. I'm adding it to the list. <laughs> yeah. Might as well go through this uh, right now. Jeff Williams was the only one who put his uh, best and worst on the uh, Facebook page uh, when I made a call for it. So, you know, everyone else, the the whole 99 other people on there. Well, 98, because Cameron's <laughs> on the show. So, um, uh. You, you you didn't put a list out, so uh, you snooze, you lose. But uh, here's here's Jeff Williams with his top five first time watches for 2019. His number one is Sword of Doom from 1966. This is a unconventional samurai film with the lead cursed by his own peerless uh, skills and amorality. And yeah, that's a great film. What what's the guy's name? Uh, Nakadai, who who is in a bunch of uh, Kurosawa films. He's he's the the main bad guy in Yojimbo who has the gun the pistol or whatever. Um, and Toshiro from Mifune is actually in this and sort of like a bit part, which is weird. Then number two, the fabulous Baron Munchausen from 1962, brilliantly animated piece of whimsy from the great, uh, Kazil Zeman. I, I know the, I know the, uh, other Baron Munchausen, uh, film from what the 1980s, I think it is. Terry uh, yeah. Gilliam one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then his number three, uh, the Furies from 1950, uh, Barbara Stanwyck proves she will cut a bitch in one of Anthony Mann's best westerns. That sounds good. Uh, uh, is, is, is number four, uh, Fortress of War from 2010, second only to come and see and portraying Russian wartime bleakness. I think Record Howard's in it for like five seconds. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Uh, his number five, uh, The Coming of Sin, 1978, the most visually striking and erotically weird of Jose Ramon Lazar's filmography, and that's saying something. Now I have to look into Jose Ramon Lazar's filmography, apparently. Uh, that's <laughs> something I need to do. Now his bottom five, uh, and he starts at number five, 
Man on a String, 1960, a condescending commie spy movie that's completely wastes Ernest Borgnine as a double agent, pretty far from director Andre de Toff's finest hour as well. Ooh. Yeah. That is hard. <laughs> Number four, The Bellboy and the Playgirls, 1962, an extremely mild German sex comedy with added American nude footage shoehorned in. That's weird. Even the presence of creamy goddess Karen Dorr and the participation of Francis Ford Coppola couldn't keep this from being a crashing bore. Wow. <laughs> a German sex comedy with added American nudity into it? Like, that, that sounds like the exact opposite of what... In 1962 with that? That's, yeah. that? That sounds fascinating, even if it's terrible. Uh, number three, The Return from 1980. A Graydon Clark sci-fi flick with a good cast but a slow-moving story. I think I know that film, but uh, don't quote me on it. Number two, Zambo, King of the Jungle, 1972. <laughs> the title sounds racist as fuck already. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does. Um, an Italian, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's racist then. An Italian jungle movie with no cannibals, nudity, or animal cruelty. What the hell did I watch this for? <laughs> it's just racism without any of the exploitation. Come on. Like, what's the what's the point here? It was probably on Prime for free. I don't know. His number one, <laughs> well, uh, he's kind of taking a shot at this podcast, I kind of think. The first turn on, 1983. Mm. Uh, I could blame you guys for getting me into this poop fest, but uh, I knew it was trauma droppings when I stepped into it. <laughs> I, I consider that Come shot on. fired, my friend. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we did a whole we did a whole month. Come on. Yeah, we did a whole month, and this is how you treat us. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's by terrible. saying you by saying you disliked a film that we uh, didn't dislike as much. Yeah, which we just were sort of mild on. Yeah, this is this is fine as long as you know it's a piece of crap. You know, like yeah. no, this is terrible. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna take- oh, we love we love you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna have a little bit of music, some podcast promos, and we're gonna come back with our best and worst first time watches, twenty nineteen. crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is rick morgan from the helming power hour we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics and every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. 
Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. How about throwing a little beach party for yourself and letting these people to get to know you oh so better? Hey kids, it's me, your good friend Alistair, here to tell you about a wonderful movie podcast called Get Soft with Dr. Snuggles. What happens is, every two weeks, the love of my life, Siobhan, and I are joined by a cast of friends, family, internet weirdos, and special guests to guide you through the wild and woolly world of erotic thrillers and softcore films. Everything from alien abduction, intimate secrets, to Zarita, Passions Avenger, and all points in between. Check it out now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's that horrid man talking about? So here it goes. This is the big list, boys and girls. Um, do we just want to like take turns, like just listing our uh, honorable mentions straight through? You know, not one movie each. We'll just sort of go to each each one's honorable mentions list and 
do that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Cameron, your guest, we'll go for you first. Do you have any honorable mentions you want to throw on here? You guys might have seen this one. <laughs> Cafe Flesh, 1982. <laughs> it's I have. Just a yeah, you've seen it? I've, I've, I've seen it. It was a long time ago, though. A, I saw it on your guys' favorite site, Rare Lust. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I was just going after this movie just because comedian and favorite cynical detective portrayer Richard Belzer is in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, well, now That's I have to see it. <laughs> foaming at the mouth, smoking. Ah, what are you doing? You're right here. <laughs> Very unusual. And I wasn't crazy about the hardcore stuff in this. I'm usually am, you know, what any kind of pornographic guy, but it was just one of those. It didn't really need it. It was already just kind of a freak show, kind of bizarre, stupid shit going on. I, I'd like lightly recommend it if anyone's looking for just a cult movie that won't be on TCM anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it does have Michelle Bauer, so there is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot her. Yeah, she's one of the main gals. Uh, I, I'm sure David DeCantel got off on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if David DeCadu got off on it since he's gay. Well, but... I mean, yeah, <laughs> he makes stuff for buy crowds, so you never know. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I shouldn't speculate. That's true. <laughs> I'm speculating right now, so. <laughs> uh, Murder Live. I was fortunate enough to see this 97 NBC telefilm. It's basically another dog day afternoon falling down type thriller. David Morse is a man who basically hates how the news media is making a spectacle out of the man who's on trial for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for killing his daughter. Okay. And uh, Marge Helgenberger, pre-CSI, is the talk show host who gets to show her uglier side of her inner demons. Once the hus- as the hostage scenario plays on, it was written by I forget his name, but he has a bit part in the movie as the SWAT lieutenant, uh, Peter guy from Thirty. I think you're on on a roll. Uh, but it, it, I googled it. Thank you, sir. No, I memorized all of this ahead of time. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a very thought provoking thriller, and it. Due to Roger Donaldson Company, it, it actually looks like you're watching an actual live telecast at times. So it's a pretty inventive TV movie. It doesn't feel constricted, restricted by its format. Uh, Porndemic. This is a very interesting Showtime documentary on how this one guy was going around basically giving everyone AIDS. Oh, Jesus. And uh, it has a lot of thought-provoking interviews and how everyone was like, you know, it, it was one of those, they caught on to him. I'm probably giving too much away, but basically they caught on to him because he was forging his, you know, documentation that he'd gone to a clinic and that's what gave it all away. And he's still to this day, this asshole has never been to prison huh. after infecting a bunch of different people. He's been kicked out of the industry, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> he still to this day acts like, no, I never infected anyone. It's like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> totally fucking up everyone's unintended lifestyle. Yeah. Very thought-provoking, very moving, very dramatic. Not too graphic, even considering the content they're talking about in this documentary. It should still be on Showtime, if I'm not mistaken. If not, uh, I'm sure you can rent it somewhere. 
the final wish. This is another interesting, you know, Pandora's box, Wishmaster Hellraiser kind of movie. It's a really good move for Timothy J. Woodward, who, when he's not making reasonable indie westerns, makes way too many just amateur looking, you know, bad action movies. <laughs> and this is a good chance for him. He has Lynn Shay, you know, who's oh, yeah. been in every other Blumhouse. Uh, Tony Todd makes a cameo near the end, and it's actually a good cameo. It's not one of those, let's put his, you know, let's get him in the movie so we can have his name on the cover. It's actually... Let's get him $50 in a sandwich, kind of. <laughs> right. And it, it really looks professional. It doesn't look like they, you know, just got out their iPhone and just sticked around. It looks like they actually spent some time on it. So it's a slow burn. Don't expect, you know, instant, you know, gore or, you know, shocks, but a slow brooding kind of movie and the acting and focus of it keeps you glued in so totally worthwhile right oh god hope i'm not barn yet. uh hard no. night falling self lundgren's most recent diehard style actioner and i totally recommend it after a year of mostly misses <laughs> uh this one basically changes up the formula to where they're at a, a italian mansion and it's a Japanese takeover, and the guy who was Silver Samurai in The Wolverine is the bad guy in this. Oh, okay. It's pretty well It's better Dolph. Don't get me wrong. He's done lots of shit, but this is better kind of Dolph, where it, you know, it looks like a man on fire taken type movie, but, you know, at 50,000 versus 50 million, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't dull this time, for thank God, because he did a few other movies or these guys that were hit and miss. One that he did earlier was called The Tracker, and that was just a very dull. Set oh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw that one. That wasn't no factors. There's like, and it, and I mean, like the last twenty minutes are okay. That's just it. It's even if you liked it, it's gonna sit on your shelf and you'll never watch it again. So it's just like, yeah, <laughs> this one I can. And, and I was reviewing for the Action Elite website, and you know, it was a goodie. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> The Night Never Sleeps. Oh, dear God. This is another Serpico Training Day style movie. You can get it on Prime. still free to stream. It has a very unfocused Armin Ashante, uh, wasted Eric Roberts cameo. He's worked with the guys previously and never turns out paychecks, so whatever. But <laughs> it was better shot for these guys, but I can honestly say, I forget their names, but they're just very generic filmmakers who... Just really are too busy getting names instead of actually getting a premise down and justifying. It does pretty much what every bad indie does. They introduce too many characters and the edits are so bizarre you don't know who to follow. So it's a mess. The Oath. Daniel, you're going to like this one. This, All right. This on Hulu. Basically imagine The Purge meets Get Out. Tiffany Haddish and wow. Ike Barinholtz play a biracial couple who are pretty left-leaning to some extent and invite their right-wing relatives over for Thanksgiving <laughs> and for the holiday ever. The second portion, a new law called the so-called oath, making fun of Trump's loyalty oath. Sure, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And two FBI guys come over and one of them's unstable and it becomes a hostage thriller from there <laughs> where everyone's <laughs> in the law and basically accuse each other of shit they haven't done and it's it stops being a comedy at that point but it does you end up kind of darkly laughing about it afterwards in a tarantino kind of way because you're like oh shit that was a fucked up all this thing 
this this is the uh, this is the thing. My wife is a big fan. I mean, both my wife and I are fans of Tiffany Haddish. So uh, I think I think this might be one that I'm just gonna put on and not tell. Just say, oh yeah, click. You know, oh look, goofy comedy, and then hostage negotiation. <laughs> uh, you know. See how my wife responds to that. That's what was really different about it. She's not like this blatant, you know, her usual, you know, I don't give a fuck attitude. She kind of gets more foul mouth towards the end. <laughs> like, sure. Kill them. <laughs> nice. No, I, I definitely will check oh, that out. That that looks pretty awesome. It, it, it's not easy to recommend everyone, but it's very good at just showing how everyone's kind of a hypocrite about each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. To, to the point where you're like, oh, of course you voted that way. <laughs> Uh, the Downton Abbey movie. Yep, I went mainstream this one. This is a pretty good standalone update for fans and non-fans. And, you know, the original show was always kind of upstairs, downstairs for Generation 2.0. But it's pretty straightforward uh, drama that has enough, you know, five different plot twists throughout the whole act to where even people who aren't into period pieces will get something out of this. I, it definitely will be ignored by the award show because it's not, you know, a Marvel or some other big right. high school blockbuster. But it's it's pretty dynamic in its whole layering of the time period and making it be a simple standalone story for non-fans of the show. And kind of a final farewell. It might not even be a final farewell. They might do what every other show is doing nowadays where they release, you know, a movie every other year <laughs> can't let a good thing go but it wasn't a wasting opportunity and i mean i literally went with this with my uncle and my other family members who are bigger fans than i am of the show and they you know we all were fairly entertained <laughs> nice boys don't cry i'm sure everyone oh, yeah. ever, every other seen this one i much like sort of doom, this would play nonstop on IFC and I just never gave it the time of day. I just figured I wasn't in a mature mood or I was just going to be like, Oh, more, you know, Oscar cash grabs, but it's really a pretty gripping story. I found kind of like river's edge the documentary style filming yeah. really grabs you. In. And I literally had to look away during the final moments. I was like, fuck, I think I just saw an actual person get killed in front of me alone, <laughs> assaulted multiple times. And, uh, it doesn't ever feel preachy or like it's, you know, relying on just a gimmick. And I get annoyed when everyone goes, oh, it's only good because of the acting. I'm like, you know what? It was just well cast. But, I mean, it they did put some thought into layering acts one through three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who I, – I have not seen – Kimberly Pierce directed that. And, like, she, she went on to do some yeah. other stuff, right? Like – uh, stop us and directing every other TV show. I don't know why she's not a bigger name, considering all the other. I don't TV know why she's kind of... not a bigger name. That's yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I actually kind of wonder like um, Hillary Swank. She never really went on to have like a, that big, massive Hollywood career after. Like she got, you know, she's been working steady since then. I think her dad fell ill and she took some time off oh. and that really, to be fair, she did have like, I think she just needed a fire agent because she had like five other stinkers in a row. She kind of went the Holly Berry, Charlie Theron route for a while. Yeah. And, you know, then five clunkers. And this was around the same time where everyone was still just, you know, 
clinging onto the Razzie's dick. They're just like, oh, those bad. They're not that great an actor, are they? I'm like, again, it, once you sign on, you don't know whether it's going to suck or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really like Hillary Swank. I think she's amazing. Um, And I, I've not seen that movie in a long time. I mean, almost 20 years at this point. But like that, yeah, that I'm movie gonna... like scarred me when I saw it. I, I saw it at like twenty yeah. on DVD, like from from a rental place back when those existed. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, it's honestly one I would love to revisit. That's that that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's also just considering the content that they were able to get by back in the day, and the fact that that was still taboo when it was coming out. It's like, oh, yeah. man, I'm thankful. Yeah. <laughs> No, I remember how controversial that was at the time. That was when I was first kind of getting into like watching films, but like that was like a Roger Ebert four star, like in 1999. And that was like a big, I mean, that was a big deal at that time. So anyway, sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm actually, now I just want to sit and watch Boys Don't Cry. I, I'm literally in that like, uh, space now. Like, you fuck you guys. I'm going to go watch Boys Don't Cry now. Like, anyway, sorry, sorry. Still currently streaming on HBO along with, they must be just. That's was weird because like there's like two other Hillary Swank movies playing nonstop that same week. So. <laughs> uh. Getting some residuals. All right. <laughs> I really liked her in the remake that's... of Insomnia. That's one of my favorite like little. Uh, yeah, that's good too. Yeah. yeah. With Al Pacino, yeah, <laughs> and Robin Williams, yeah. She's in this other one, uh, Conviction, which has Tony Goldwyn directing, hmm. and basically has her being a nobody who becomes a lawyer to free her uh, mischievous uh, brother from prison wow. later or something like that. I remember it's seeing the those. trailer. I remember seeing the trailer. That's all I remember. It's pretty much one of those you just put on and enjoy the acting, but it's not, you got to go see it now. So, yeah. uh, so <clears> those <throat> that's your honorable mentions then? Yes, sir. All right, uh, Daniel, throw over to you. Awesome. Uh, I only have a handful right. and they are all films that we covered on this show. So ah, uh, we'll, well, there you go. Uh, you know, make it make it pretty easy. Uh, and these are not in any particular order, but uh, I, I'm putting the first two. We're putting them together. And that's the Mercenary and uh, Companeros, uh, uh, okay. both of which I, I I really loved. I couldn't decide which one I'd rather put in the top ten, so I just put them both as honorable mention and just kind of went with that. Um, if you ask me preferentially in terms of a better film, I'd put the mercenary there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of more fun, Companeros definitely, if only for the for the title <laughs> track. So um both great films. I actually feel really resentful that I couldn't uh put them on the main list. But like uh, you know, that's fine. That's fine. There are harsh rules here about how we do this. There are no rules, but uh you know, so, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, Dementia from 1955, uh, yeah. which we covered very recently, uh, very nearly made my made my actual list. A really fascinating, weird little movie. Um, definitely one of those WTF moments. Um, just didn't quite uh, put put it like all over the top for me um, ultimately. But I really enjoyed that, and uh, definitely one that that more people should uh, seek out. Um, Stage fright, 1987. Yeah. The uh, you know, which I had really forgotten about until I started going back through, and then like I went through the list of movies we covered this year like three times, and kept kind of just scrolling past that one. And every time I was like, "That was really good. I should really consider putting that on the list." <laughs> and then like I did, and then again it kind of got bumped out by other stuff. But like it's definitely like I'm very happy for it to be in that sort of like number fifteen ish place. 
uh, for right. me for for, uh, for first time watches this year. Um, really enjoyable slasher film. I thought it was it was clever. Um, again, go back and kind of listen to the original review. We I think we had a lot of fun with that one. It's one of the more fun movies that I saw this year. And um, uh, so maybe I'll have to buy that and watch it. Um, and then one more, uh, Baba Yaga from 1973, which mm-hmm. uh, another kind of weird, fucked up. I, I love the 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 seventies niche of this. I I love the the art film. I love the the horror elements. Uh, it's a really weird little movie. Again, kind of one that I that slipped out of my memory after we watched it, but one that kind of like hung on when I started kind of going through and putting on the list. So it deserves a spot in the honorable mention. Um, and also, she was adorable. Oh yeah. Yeah, that uh, that pixie haircut. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll go to my honorable mentions here. I just got uh, five of them. The Woman in Green, nineteen forty-five. Uh-huh. I, I I think that's the best uh, out of the Rathbone stuff that we did. It's for me anyway. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I just put a weird. ton of the Sherlock Holmes stuff on my honorable mentions. Honestly. Yeah, I just decided not to. Out of like just a sheer like I'm not gonna fill this with Sherlock Holmes, but yeah, no, I uh, definitely agree that one. Really <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one I'll put in Pearl of Death, 1944. Mm-hmm. Not quite as good as Women in Green, but uh, I think both of these kind of stood out. They were both really well done. Um, you know, taking the original source material and like running with it and doing weird shit with it and noirish stuff with it. You know. It grew on me. I was I was a little hesitant. I was pushing against it a little bit when we were getting into it, but I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I don't give a fuck." Rathbone is a noir detective, Sherlock Holmes, whatever. Let's, let's fucking do it. Um, another one, uh, the Little Stranger from 2018. Uh, this is just a uh, sort of supernatural ghost film that sort of flew under the radar uh, that year. I thought it was really good. It, it's it's very slow. Like it, it it takes a while to get going, but I think the payoff is really good. So it's good, but millennials will hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but I but I enjoyed it, and it's like I'm always on the lookout for like actual good, like supernatural horror movies and stuff and ghost films, and this one was probably the best one. Eh, somewhat the best one I saw. It's it's very uh, very mannered, very traditional in the way it does stuff. It it doesn't rely on jump scares and all that bullshit. It's just you know it's more of a mood piece. Uh, so it, it works in that direction in that sort of regard. Um, I'll mention Doctor Sleep, twenty nineteen. I thought it was really good. I don't care what anyone fucking says. It is a direct sequel to King's novel, and it's a great adaptation of the sequel to that novel. And at the same time, it's a really good fan film homage to Kubrick's film. Uh, so <laughs> if, if, you, if, if you go into it looking looking at it that way, you know, if you don't go into it, and I heard some podcast recently uh, say, oh, this is a direct sequel to The Shining. No, it fucking isn't. It, it's definitely not. <laughs> it, it's, not a, it's not a direct sequel to Kubrick's Shining at all. But it loves that film, and it lets you know that it loves that film but without being super cynical and on the fucking nose on it too. So uh, it's really good. Uh, a lot of people didn't watch it for some fucking reason. I don't get, um, but it's really good. Mike Flanagan knows his shit and uh, he, he's been doing King better than anybody in the last couple of years. So. Oculus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. The Oculus yeah. did fucking. Uh, just from these box office results alone in just the last five years. 
studios just pretty much need to get to the point where it's like just don't have any movie come out in either the winter or the fall unless it's like holiday appropriate i am so perplexed at why this came out like a few weeks after halloween like it it should have been a halloween release but yeah <laughs> but i don't know uh, how much they cared about i guess they're figuring it's going to do better for them on Netflix eventually or something like that. I, I, maybe that was maybe Flanagan's thinking that's the model he wants to work on or something. I don't know, but uh, it, it, it was weird. You look at these guys who surf Netflix and who even hate so-called direct video or indie movies yet because it's on streaming, they're watching it. So it's like, well guys, you, you basically are watching indie slash DTV movies. <laughs> Yeah. So what's the difference? Uh, and the final one I mentioned from 2017, Ghost Stories, which is a horror anthology. Um, the ending doesn't quite land. It's it's a little it's a little uh, off kilter. I, I think it's fine, but it, I can definitely see why people were were kind of put off by it. But um, as far as like the anthology element to it, uh, the different stories involved, really great. Uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I thought it was kind of a modern take on the sort of amicus horror anthology, and um, it's genuinely fucking scary and creepy in certain parts. Like a, a couple of the stories, it's got some moments. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's my honorable mentions. So uh, we can get into our top tens now, and uh, we'll take turns. And uh, the the order we'll do is uh, we'll do Cameron, we'll do Daniel, and we'll do myself. So uh, first one on your uh, top ten there, uh, Cameron. Uh, for this year? Yeah. Yeah, well, movies that we have do, come out. We do first time watches for us this year. Yeah. So, Sorry. No, that's... Okay. <laughs> oh. Already said, boys. You know what? I'm gonna be a fuck up. I'm gonna actually put that all my honorables on my top. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's fine. No, that works. Um. So uh, I I love I love the uh, the the form that we bring to this medium. I love the uh, <laughs> I love the the uh, pre planned nature of everything that we do uh, here. It's like a well oiled machine. No, we're we're fine. Yeah, okay. Well, then then I guess you and I are taking turns, Daniel, and then we'll come back with uh, Cameron's worst of 2019, apparently. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. All right. That's fine. That's fine, man. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, all right. Uh, Daniel, go first. First one on your list. Sure. Uh, this one is one that uh, we'll, we've all seen, uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, mm-hmm. I believe I saw this after the first of the year this year. Um, so uh, it goes on my goes on my list. We discussed it. It's brilliant. Um, there's no need to really go any further than that. Um, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And again, these are not in uh, these are in alphabetical order, not uh, in the order I preferred them. But uh, this was definitely one of the best films I've seen in a while. Um, one of the most fun. One of the one of the most enjoyable. One of the kind of richest uh, thematically. Um, don't love every segment of it, but love the film overall. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What what Comanche was was very close to that one for me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So first one I'll mention, Dementia, 1955. I really love this. Uh, I, I loved how different it was. I love how different it was for a movie that was made in like 53, came out in 55, and you can see why it took a while to actually come out in that time period. And I even kind of like the uh, 1957 version of Ed McMahon's terrible narration, I think. Kind of... <laughs> Like, if, you know, if you have a few beers in you and you want to see something silly, like, that, that's also really bad. <laughs> but, uh, I'm Daniel here say, if this were a Mr. Science Theater movie, it would have Peter Graves. I'm Peter Graves. <laughs> yeah, you, you think they, they think they'd hire someone, like, with a professional voice. Ed McMahon's just terrible. Like, it's it's beyond bad. Raymond- <laughs> they should have they should gotten Raymond Burr in to film yeah. like side sequences, uh, Godzilla style. Yeah, that would have been. Really yeah. <laughs> Burr, two episodes ago, that'd be even funnier if you got him. <laughs> <laughs> All production. Alive. Uh, okay, Dan, your next one. Uh, Battle of Algiers. Uh, yeah, okay. one of the great. Uh, I, what what can I mean, again? It's kind of like hard to say. What can you fucking say about this movie? Uh, a truly um, harrowing film, uh, almost docudrama style. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's really stuck with me since we watched it. I'm kind of amazed I didn't see it until this year. Um, really um, complex in the way that it it uh, portrays the real events in almost I don't want to say real time. That's not true, but in, in a sort of real veracity. Um, and, and allows the audience to make up its mind. I've I've seen I've seen literal Nazis recommend this film because they take the exact <laughs> wrong message from it. But it's not even like it's the wrong message. They're just taking the message that they take from life, and um, that's in a weird way a, a recommendation of the film. Seriously, so. <laughs> I wish they would teach in more colleges. They yeah. have it hanging up in the hallways. What are they doing? They're introducing their. Uh, they're pretty much telling. Here's what they do at UTA. They tell people, uh, don't do movies about Hitman or with Jedis. And so basically they're telling them, fuck off all you George Lucas Tarantino fans. Uh-huh. And then they have they have a poster of Algiers in the hallway. But they've never taught it in any of the college classes. Here's what they consider classics. They consider Big Lebowski and Buckaroo Banzai classics. And then they just, yeah, just movies that were never on the top 250 or what have you. And it's like, okay. Yeah, no, blow yourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucking ridiculous. Let's that's... let's let's go let's go blow two hundred thousand dollars on film school and watch the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna lie, it was a waste of time. They should have been teaching Costa Scabra Z or something, but not mm-hmm. you know shit like that. <laughs> I, I I might have I might have blown like a community college tuition on renting the Big Lebowski back in the day over and over again, but that's about as close as I'd get. Right. Um, yeah, as a graduate, back better. So next one I'll mention uh, from 2017, Revenge, which is this very. Uh, it's got a lot of sort of Euro aesthetics to it, but it's this revenge film about this sort of trophy girlfriend who um, ends up going on the run from her bullshit asshole French boyfriend and his and her uh, his friends who um, basically uh, uh, rape and assault her. And, and she sort of, uh, she's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking tell on you motherfucker. It's like, you, you, you didn't stand up to them and chastise them for like assaulting and raping me. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to kill you. And 
you know, uh, she she does not die. She gets she gets thrown off a cliff and does not die, and she comes back and kills those motherfuckers, and it's really good stuff. Uh, very very stylish uh, and very visceral, and in, in a lot of parts, like she 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 falls on a fucking like. Um, well, it's it's not a Joshua tree, but she falls on a fucking tree off the off the cliff, and she has to like. <laughs> pull herself off the fucking tree and it's pretty graphic and I, I, this, I liked it a lot. This sounds like a film we should pair with the uh, Catherine Deneuve uh, romance film. Uh, <laughs> you know, as R&R, really? a little R&R, little French R&R. You know, that would be, uh, you know, ideal. <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is literally where I am in my headspace is just to make jokes about French cinema. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, we didn't catch that. Kevin Costner movie from 1990 that sucked ass and then got recut in 07 by Tony Scott. Because of his music video style. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I went there. Yeah, I've seen this list on a bunch of things and I, I've been meaning to watch it. And I, for whatever reason, I keep getting it mixed up with this other revenge movie starring Pierce Brosnan's son, Sean. But it's a totally different movie. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, Dan, your next one. <laughs> California Dreamin', 1979. Oh, yeah. Uh, not one that I expected to put on this list. Uh, but one that I think for what it is, it does the job. It really sells its premise. I think that, like, in terms of its uh, kind of coming in the late 70s and kind of describing this, like, beach bum culture, I think it actually is is really well made. And I think it's really worth watching, especially, you know, as fans of this genre, as if you're kind of listening to this, you're probably a fan of the kind of the... That beach body kind of kind of you know films uh this isn't like kind of this dark and gritty like reimagining of the concept it's just sort of like doing it but doing it in a way that that feels very authentic and interesting and, and has some has some kind of like interesting characters involved and so i'd uh highly recommend it right on almost like we lost cameron there hopefully he'll uh jump back in um yeah it, yeah seymour castle is fucking great in that yeah. film like yeah. it, it, it like if if the movie was actually more of a character study of him, yeah, it probably would have. If it was a little bit more of a like, if it was made a few years later, it probably would have been more of a like great character study of that character. And I think, but I think that version would ironically be like lesser of a film because yeah. it would be you know, like it would have the art of its ass version of it, as opposed to it sort of still trying to be that kind of beach movie and you know just sort of like leaning into that a little bit. Um, I do have a list of best performances. I did leave him off of that, but he would absolutely belong on that list. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next one I'll mention. Uh, took me a while to get around to watching this. Everyone else had seen it beforehand and raved about it. Uh, Hereditary, 2018. Loved it. Great horror movie. Kind of the ultimate uh, dysfunctional family horror movie, where you know they're they're just they're just doomed from the start. And then there's, you know, there's supernatural elements in the background, but for the most part, it's just how sh- shitty this family is and and how and how it's like the doom that comes upon them. It's just like, of course, they're going to be cursed and all this shit's going to happen to them. And it's fucking brutal. The the young girl who is definitely weird looking like she's she's you're not your, your standard Hollywood uh, actress type, you know, uh, child actor has this brutal death in it. And. 
uh, and the movie goes in places you don't quite expect too. Like you're kind of expecting, okay, she's going to be like the demonic child or whatever. And it's like, no, she dies in like the first like third of the movie. You know, she's just gone. And uh, yeah, really good, really really good. And um, the director behind it, I guess he's the same guy who did uh, Midsummer this year, I believe. Uh, really good. Like mm. I think the hype is kind of justified for him uh he does really good slow burn sort of moody horror stuff and at the same time brings like the visceral shit as well to it so it works it works mm-hmm. cool. coffee 1973 uh-huh. either this or foxy brown um i picked coffee i think it's got a little bit more of that authenticity to it mm-hmm. um, whereas foxy brown is a little bit more of the sort of like you know Actiony, so a little bit more cartoonish. Um, I, those are both first time watches for me this year. Um, I'm ashamed of myself for that they were first time watches for me, but uh, uh, I think they were both really good. I chose one to put on the list, and it was coffee. So there you go. Um, Pam Greer is amazing, and in fact, I'm just going to put this in here right now on my uh, list of best performances. Pam Greer in both of those films uh, deserves uh, an absolute. Yeah. Uh, she, she makes it. I mean. The film would be good without her, but she makes it what it is. And yeah. There's, there's no question about that. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, next one I'll mention. Uh, this is an Australian one uh, from 1982, Next of Kin, which um, is, is, is a bit of a film that sort of fakes you out for a bit, makes you think it's, uh, it's going to be a supernatural ghost haunting film, but it's actually a uh, Italian giallo in disguise uh, kind of put- oh sort of transported to Australia. Like it's very, uh, this, like the second half of the film becomes a Dario, Dario Argento, like fucking love fest kind of thing. And it's very much as yellow in its style. And, uh, it's got a very young John Jarrett of Wolf Creek fame looking like a Mm. handsome man, which is weird to see. (laughs) He's like the love interest in this. And it's just very, it's very weird to see him as like the, the male lead love interest when he's like known for playing these, vicious killers now and stuff like that so uh, so no it's it's very very good like the the last act of this film is just batshit insane like it just goes crazy uh, uh very much uh well worth checking out absolutely uh mm-hmm. we at to number five now mm-hmm. all right one i saw just a few days ago that i have not gotten to talk to you about yet obviously we haven't covered it on the show it is a new film uh, one of two <laughs> films from 2019 that are on my list. Um, that is Dives Out, um, the new Ryan Johnson okay. film. Uh, I my seen it. what's that? <laughs> my sister's seen it five times already. I still have I, <laughs> I, I would see this five times. It is, you know, the if you haven't seen it, don't learn anything, just don't learn anything about it. Like, it's <laughs> it is not the film it was advertised as. I'm gonna put it that way. Um, okay. But if you say Ryan Johnson, who done it, you're on the right path. But this is not like rich assholes in an Agatha Christie story. It is, but it's so much more than that. And um, it, it legitimately, like, if you're looking for something that's going to like put you through those paces that that Ryan Johnson's going to put you through, I think it might be his best film since Brick. Honestly, um, in yeah. fact, it might even be better than Brick as far as I'm concerned. I the 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 praise for this film is through the roof and if anything it exceeded my expectations uh for 
how well it's going to achieve that. So uh, uh, it looked like it had a lot of the comedy style of the Brothers Bloom, but it was way more memorable than the Brothers Bloom kind of. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely sort of working in that same style, but in a much more um, you know kind of streamlined package. And the thing with these kind of whodunits is like all you see all the pieces being put into place, but you don't know how they're put into place. Uh-huh. And then hmm. the film outsmarts you, and then it outsmarts you again, but not in a way that feels too clever, in a way that just feels like organic the entire time. Again, I have literally said more than I should already. <laughs> just don't read anything about the film. Just walk in, blindfold yourself. Just walk in, <laughs> fumble your way to the ticket counter, buy a ticket, buy two tickets. It's worth it. Then stumble your way into the theater and take off the only after the previews have started, and just enjoy. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Like it's 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 really good. It's really if good. I uh, if I just put a blindfold on before I click start on Put Locker, will that be acceptable? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to give this movie money. That's the only way it's going to be good. No, no. It's well, I I mean, if I like it, I'll give it money anyway. I'll buy it. Okay. But um... yeah, no, no, no. It's it, it is it is quite good. It it is absolutely worth seeing. I find it on Pornhub. I don't know. I've seen some weird shit on Pornhub that it wasn't porn. A lot of award-winning movies on all these porn streaming sites is just outrageous. And it was, and and movies like The Big Sick were on there. I'm like, oh my god, god. (laughs) Well, I mean, and yeah, people are gonna like take their like you know, oh shit, we're getting uh, we're getting uh, DCMA takedowns or whatever, you know, on all these other. Uh, movie sites. <laughs> let's let's take it to Pornhub, and then let's ruin Pornhub for everybody by getting that taken down right. by Hollywood. <laughs> Although Pornhub absolutely like destroyed the entire porn industry, and mm. so it's absolutely worth it. Actually, the best thing what I want for 2020 is all the Nazis to just move over to Pornhub <laughs> and just destroy each other. Just Pornhub and the Nazis. No. Just there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one will go. Uh, tick, tick, tick from 1970. Uh, fucking love this one. Uh, takes takes race relations fairly serious for the time period. Uh, definitely, probably much more serious than anyone would have expected in the time period. That's for sure. And uh, it's a it's a good little um, part Rio Bravo in, in a little way. Uh, part in Heat of the Night. Um, Really well done. Uh, stuck with me in my, in my mind ever since we watched it this year. So uh, yep. great stuff. Your next one, Daniel. All right. Uh, Pat Garrett in Billy the Kid. Ah, nice. Uh, one of the, um, I think one of the great uh, Westerns of its of its type, the, the, the great character study, kind of late period deconstructionist Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot going on in terms of, uh, in terms of its themes. It really is kind of asking you to explore kind of who these characters are and what they mean to each other. And um, it's uh, just exquisitely well-made. I think that's the thing that I keep kind of coming back to and, and kind of remembering it is just how well-constructed it is and how, how well-shot and how and how it looks. Um, I've got to love seeing all those old uh, kind of Western actors kind of coming back and, and this kind of like moment in decay of this, of this mm. kind, of, kind of thing of, like the the whole genre is dying at this point, and uh, you know you get one last really great performance out of a lot of them, and um, it's just it really is like if, again if you're a fan of this podcast, you're a fan of uh, kind of what we do. I think that film almost encapsulates you know sort of sort of what our what our aesthetic is better than almost anything that we've covered. Yeah, um, 
Next, next one I'll mention: Battle of Algiers, nineteen sixty-six. You already kind of said it. Um, I just reiterate: fucking great film. So, all right. Uh, uh, Pearl of Death. That's my number seven. Uh, that's one of two uh, Sherlock Holmes films I'm putting on this list, and really like putting like Jeremy Brett just in general, just that discovery of that yeah. Sherlock Holmes series. Uh, that's that's something that's really gonna like sit with me. I I've I've really appreciated having that experience, and I almost don't want to watch them by myself. I want to watch them for this show. So we got to keep bringing Jack back on and do more Jeremy Brett. Um, but Pearl of Death. I mean, you kind of said it earlier. I'm also just gonna kind of mention uh, the performance by Rando Hatton um, deserves on on the oh yeah performances of the year list. Um, I think I was sort of aided by this of not having read the Six Napoleons. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, sort of the sort of the secret uh, was not um, spoiled for me, um, but this was definitely one that kind of came to me highly recommended. Um, I put it like high up on the list of like when we thought we were going to do like three, you know, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> um, it was definitely sort of like, oh, I definitely want to watch this one, and uh, it, it it did not disappoint me. I was really really happy with that one. I think it's like exquisitely well uh, executed, and the idea of doing uh, Holmes as noir. Uh, I love that to bits, despite the fact that it's such a weird left turn for uh, what we think of as Holmes, but I think it works yeah. really, really well there. And um, that was my favorite of, of those Rathbone ones that we watched. So uh, for sure, uh, Pearl of Death. Nice. Uh, my next one I'll mention, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 2019. <laughs> um, I am just sort of bouncing back and forth in my head now whether I think this is better than Jackie Brown. It's It's right up there. Mm-hmm for me with, with, uh, Tarantino stuff. Um, I know, uh, you mentioned, uh, earlier, uh, on in the podcast, um, uh, or a couple months ago or something when we first talked about it briefly, um, that you, you wanted a bit more out of Tarantino sort of post Weinstein, uh, kind of shit. Um, I really love this. I, I love the revisionist history. I love that it treats, it, it's it sort of goes into the mindset of this being kind of almost a fairy tale kind of uh, vision of a Hollywood that could have been kind of thing. And if you, you know, going in sort of that mindset, watching it, I enjoyed it greatly. And every time I've watched it so far, I've just pulled more out of it. Like uh, I'm still debating whether like this might slip off the list, honestly, after a few rewatches, I'm kind of thinking, because I'm just kind of caught up in just like how big this movie is and how much shit is going on in it that I don't know if I fully formulated everything in my brain, but as like just a movie watching experience this year, it was one of my best ones, uh, just, just for that solely. So, uh, yeah, we're going to come back to that here shortly. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the seven percent solution. Uh, that was okay. number eight. Uh, another Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm not going to defend the Asian peril racism. <laughs> That's uh, we're not going to. I'm, I'm going to. I pretend it's not existing, and just kind of saying like this was really effective for me. Um, mm-hmm. Even the uh, tearing the train apart stuff towards the end, and the, you know, like, <laughs> uh, some some of the more adapt bits. Uh, I love it for them. Um, mm-hmm. I love the inter- I love the character of Holmes here. I love the interaction between Holmes and Freud. Um, there's a lot of reasons to dislike this film, and I agree with all of them. Uh, but I uh, I love it anyway. Uh, it deserves it deserves a spot. Uh, I think there's a lot of really great stuff in it. 
Um, it was again one of those like just deeply enjoyable experiences for me um, watching this for the first time this year. Mm. Nice. Um, next one we'll mention, and this is uh, starring the Mandalorian, uh, Pedro Pascal. Uh, he's in this. Um, this is Prospect from 2018. It's kind of within the vein of that truckers in space kind of uh, vibe that uh, aliens sort of set in stone for for movies going forward. Like I, I really like the idea of commercial space flight being you have your own like uh, lunar lander pod whatever kind of thing, and then you attach to a big commercial ship, and it takes you to a planet. You launch down to the planet, and if you don't come back within a certain time period, you're fucked. Like, it's just like, yeah. you don't come back, you don't come back. But um, it's this uh, young teenage daughter and her sort of uh, bum father who is a prospector. So it's it's kind of frontier-style space stuff, you know, where it's like, oh, it's the new frontier, and they're mining and prospecting, and there's no real rules or anything like that. And she gets caught up in his sort of schemes, uh, he dies, and she goes on an adventure of her own on this planet where all the all the uh, sort of flora and fauna are super poisonous, but it's like a mineral-rich planet that you could make a fortune off of, and she runs into all these characters. It's kind of like what people wanted the Mandalorian to be, like super gritty and stuff like that. But it's not really that. Uh, you know, the Mandalorian became very lightweight and, and fun, whereas this is like wow, this is a really bleak kind of future. Like, uh, this is kind of what would happen if, you know, the the big companies owned everything and Alien and stuff. Like, you see the little people in, in that sort of situation that are, like, on the fringes of society and stuff. And uh, so, very... so what you're saying is you he runs try... into Baby Yoda at the end, but he's a child soldier being forced to uh, carry an AK-47 <laughs> for a corporation uh, defending a mine. <laughs> that would be an interesting movie too, but because uh, this was pretty much more Akira Kurosawa than any of the earlier Star Wars movies ever tried to be like, you know. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's there's like mercenaries and stuff in this too, and um, this is this was a great find, like this is a great discovery. It's like I just took a chance on this, and I was like, wow, this is a really good sci-fi film, uh, and really good acting, and. Pedro Pascal, like, he's a fucking great actor. Like, he, he's just sort of shown up in a bunch of stuff the last few years under the radar. And um, the fact mm-hmm. that he's got the Mandalorian now, hopefully more people will watch his older stuff and, and see how great he is, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also hoping... I'm looking out in this terminal in this way because my sister has Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. A friend of a friend was his CBS All Access. I'm hoping that this upcoming Picard show is pretty much the Mandalorian equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's looking really good. It's looking yeah, really, really no. good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping the Picard show is good. Um, you know. Um, yeah, we'll leave it that for now. We'll leave it that for now. <laughs> An episode. Uh, right. Number nine. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the movie that made more money than all the other films on my list combined. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the, uh, this is one of my, sorry, we're spoiling the, uh, the, the, the other podcast we do. We're spoiling Cape shit when we get to this in two and a half years. Um, this is uh, <laughs> one of my, uh, this is probably near the top of my uh, Marvel movie list. Um, I thought this was exquisitely well done. I don't think it's quite as good as Into the Spider-Verse, um, but I think it's damn close. 
Um, I think it's really got some interesting things going on in terms of um, its relationship to sort of the military industrial complex. Um, I think it's got a lot of like interesting character work that sort of like follows from Endgame, but isn't like sort of reliant on that. Uh, I think it's got some really trippy visuals, which are clearly sort of like Into the Spider-Verse showed them how far they could go. Um, and they do some really interesting things. And I think the relationship to um, just the, sort of the reality of sort of like media manipulation and fake news and that sort of thing. I mean, I, the way that movie ends just makes me think, well, the third one is going to be either astonishing or complete shit. Um, it really <laughs> sets up um, in that uh, something that's going to go somewhere really interesting or they're going to just completely drop it. I, I think they're going to drop it. I don't think they're going to do it. But like I have hope for right now. And so that's enough. Um, and I think the film is really effective. I, I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it came out. I've watched it a couple of times, even after I saw it in theaters. This is really effective. At, at, in terms of if you're going to make a $200 million movie, this is the way to do a $200 million movie. When the ads looked terrible, it looks like National Lampoon's European Vacation with like Spider-Boy running around in it. And it's not that <laughs> at all. It's much, much better than that. You know, I haven't seen it yet, but it looks like the... The animator guys who have done, you know, plenty of other wacky animation are really evolving as storytellers this time, and that words were justified. So, uh, I yep. was listening to he signed with the Mads, and you know, Daniel's favorite Frank Conniff and Trace Ballou were both raving about. They're like, this is lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like the most mainstream comic book movie you could where everyone can agree on is like this is just a good movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 very good. Um, yeah, it's, it's the only one of the like, comic book films that I really, really loved this year, um, was that one. So Nice. Yep. Uh, my next one, Dragged Across uh, Concrete, 2018. This is the guy who did Bone Tomahawk, <laughs> who did uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, or, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, th- this guy's great. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about, like, putting politics or anything in his movies. He's just... I'm just going to make a brutal fucking exploitation film and I'm just going to throw it at you. And if you don't like it, well, whatever. Um, this is just like a super gritty fucking bad cops kind of, kind of movie, uh, with Vince Vaughn and, and fucking Mel Gibson. And it's, it's effective, man. It's, it's right. What was that? Michael J. White, not embarrassing himself for once. Yeah, yeah, not doing a shitty film, like it's, it's doing an actual good film. Yeah, uh, I, I got these guys lean a certain political way, but Cinestate uh, seems to have figured out how to uh, independently produce movies for like two million, get a lot of has been stars as well as underappreciated stars, and just again aim for making very mainstream grindhouse. Yeah, it's all the more. Welcome. I mean, everyone thinks. Oh, it's a B movie. It must suck. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. There's countless movie movies that are beloved. Look at Indiana Jones. <laughs> in in a way, like he's doing he's doing like a 1970s aesthetic with this. Um, and I mean, he did the same thing with uh, Brawl and Cell Block as well. Kind of uh, the the way he does his exploitation, it, it feels authentic. Um, it, it's almost like. He's managing to capture what Quentin Tarantino never really captures as far as like being super authentic. Like, you know, Quentin Tarantino kind of does a take on the stuff he loves, where this is like just straight up, oh, I'm doing one of those films. 
and you know you got to take it or leave it at that like it's like if if you're not into those films from like the late 70s early 80s or whatever then it's probably not going to work for you all that well but he's kind of just doing that and he's also doing it with the like visual aesthetics of like a modern film you know modern filmmaking um just right. the way he makes the, he makes those fake uh like uh OJ soul songs uh, like the OJs and stuff like that kind of in 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 that sort of vein that plays on the radios of the cars and shit like that like that that little attention de- detail is kind of cool so it's, it almost makes it like an alternate earth where oh the OJs also had these songs playing on the radio and shit and uh, um yeah I don't want I don't want to spoil a good record What's that? They're going to have a good record. Uh, they definitely have a good distribution deal all down because, I mean, their movies are already, you know, coming on Epix, Showtime, Skinamax, as well as Redbox. And uh, like you say, is like they are able to take these old school 60s, 70s stories and put them in 2010 format. So yeah. if you're one of those millennials who only watches stuff with the word equalizer or John Wick in it, you'll probably still like it. But <laughs> like you say, you might still come across noobs who are like, oh, I don't understand it. It was so dull. Nothing's happening. I'm like, it's a slow burn noir. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Stop being a baby. If you want to get to the goods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last one on my list, uh, which is uh, one that you've already mentioned. Uh, tick, tick, tick. Um, okay, which is could be could easily be my number one of the year. I mean, you know, if we if you made me choose, I mean, Battle of Algiers and Knives Out and Tick 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 would you know kind of any one of those three could be could be my best of the year list. Um, and uh, this was really like you know you do kind of see that title and go like okay I'm 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 down I want to I want to know what this is, but this could have been really bad. Um, and it's absolutely not. I think <laughs> it's um much more interested in um exploring this uh kind of racial dynamic in the in this kind of like world than other films of its ilk and i think it's got some real nuance behind it and i mm-hmm. think particularly being made in 1970 really gives it a, a, a like it's it's really of that moment in a way that a lot of this other stuff is and, and in a way that also kind of plays into the genre like it's not sort of a self-serious kind of oscar Beatty movie it's something that's like really trying to do something different with these ideas and really try to try to explore it. Um, I think it's miles better than in the heat of the night. And I wish this film was, was better remembered and uh, it absolutely deserves its place. And uh, again, just to kind of go for my, uh, my list of great performances, um, the trio of Jim Brown, George Kennedy and uh, Frederick March. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a trio that absolutely make this film um, sing and uh, with any one of those three not present, you don't have the film that you have here. And I think that it's it's this is a, this is the kind of ensemble cast that deserves uh, all the credit that you could possibly heap upon them. So, yeah. Uh, and my last one on my list, uh, The Apartment, nineteen sixty, fucking amazing film. Not the sort of thing I typically gravitate towards or watch, but uh, watched it and absolutely fell in love with it. Performances are great. The uh, is that and your that, number one film of the year? That is my number one film of the year, yep. <laughs> yes! Yep. I've been telling you for years, Lee. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I get it, I get it. 
<laughs> I get it. Um, no, it, it's it's fucking great. Uh, it's it's both funny and it's also super fucking depressing. Like it, it goes into some really dark places. It's got a really disgusting fucking villain in it, who is just totally believable and nuanced in the performance. And um, it's definitely not something you would typically see in 1960 in big commercial films. It's, it, it, it's pushing way ahead of its time. Like it's just, uh, it's an amazing fucking film. There's, there's not more, much more I can say about it than fucking watch it. <laughs> That's, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's an all time favorite film for me. Like that, that could easily be in my top 10 or top 20, like ever. So I'm really happy you enjoyed it. That, uh, so I do have a, a couple of other performances I just wanted to highlight before we get to our worst of, and I will okay. be very brief on this. Um, Veronica Lake, This Gun for Hire. I think mm-hmm. uh, she's really fucking phenomenal. We will do some Veronica Lake next year. Thomas Milan from Companeros. Yeah. Uh, great, uh, you know, undersold oh, performance. Yeah. Uh, William Shatner and The Intruder, not a new film for me. Um, but... <laughs> There's absolutely no way to uh, discuss that film without talking about how good William Shatner is in it. Um, yeah, it's very much not what you think William Shatner is. Um, he should have been on my worst of list for White Comanche as well, um, but <laughs> I've, I've decided I did. I was going to not mention that. I was just going to leave that alone. But um, you know, he was great in The Intruder. Um, also, a film that would have been on this list had it been a first time watch for me. Um, amazing film. Isaac Hayes in uh, Truck Turner. That's the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a film I really enjoyed. It's deeply stupid. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Isaac Hayes is amazing in it. Um, I'm sorry he ended up being a little bit of a douchebag later in his life, but uh, (laughs) I don't even know so much of a douchebag is just like one of those stars who got sucked into something and got used by other people. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I was trying, I was trying to just kind of be generic with that um, as opposed to, you know, kind of call out uh, a particular thing. We're all we're all gonna get sued by the cult, by the Church of Scientology now. That's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, uh, any performance where he can pull off like uh, realistically romancing his girlfriend back by uh, breaking, you know, getting her out of jail, and then like I buy you a two piece meal of KFC, you know, you know, if, <laughs> if you're, and I got some course banquet as well. If you if you want some of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, that that's that's really all I had. So we can move on to the worst now. All right. Uh, so Cameron, do you have a worst of list for this year? Best part is I didn't pay a dime for them. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with open water free, <sighs> and deep blue sea two. Both tied for worst shark movies of years on Sci-Fi Channel, no less. Oh my god! I wasn't ever crazy about the earlier ones, but I just figured, hey, you know, who doesn't like a good shark movie? And it's just both these ones just are very tedious. They just don't make good use of their time or the monster effects. Everything was just a bad idea from the start, and. I don't mind. I recommend Open Water because that was just a standalone dead calm type thriller that mm-hmm. they just put the Open Water sequel name on. But yeah, Open Water Free, it's pretty much ripping off the 47 meters down formula, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. The buried formula, but underwater, and they just decide, hey, we're, we got people in cages too. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
glad you because I I just thought it was Scorsese's greatest hits, and I, I just didn't learn anything new about Jimmy Hoffa. But yeah, I mean, I mean Pacino oh. was good, and I understand why everyone was like, "This is the Avengers of gangster movies." <laughs> All that was missing was Frank Vincent. Yeah, he's dead, so he can't be in. But I like <laughs> don't Harvey tell Hollywood like Harvey. that. <laughs> yeah, they could just hologram yeah. him in, or you know. I liked Ray Romano, but I didn't really understand the point of his lawyer character because he's not really used that much. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I, I can get why people didn't like it. I I thought it was pretty good. Uh, like I was expecting the worst, so maybe my expectations were like just more than met. <laughs> you know, like... I was expecting uh, meh, and I got meh plus, so it was yeah. fine. The killings were awesome. I, I did guffaw my ass off when Pacino started calling everyone a cocksucker, and they started doing the revenge car bombings. But it was what around the second hour <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean honestly the only thing that really took me out of that film was like sure they they de-aged them cgi in the face and everything but once any of those guys tried to move it's like oh yeah that's a 70 year old man right there that's <laughs> that, that, that's that's 70 whatever 76 or whatever the nero just trying to like punch some dude and it's not working. Like you, you could have, you know, actually hired a stunt double and CGI De Niro's face on that if you wanted to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't do that, so yeah. Was bad this year. Uh, I know, I know. You guys are going to discuss every Marvel movie ever. I was not crazy about Ant Man two. I, I, I know oh, everyone's off like, the pod. You gotta... off the pod. That's... Endgame, and I'm like, yeah, you really don't need to see any of it. I mean, I like seeing Lawrence Fishburne in a few fight scenes. He, he's getting old, but other than that, I, I mean, I'm just having crazy about the spinoffs, and I love Paul Rudd as a comedic actor and all, and I just didn't get anything from it. I mean, I, I just have felt like the second part of Doctor Strange and some of these other, and the Captain Americas have done a better job of being standalone movies while also adding on to the established universe. <laughs> My my gag about that movie is, uh, you know, talking about the uh, the new um, Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife film. You know, uh, my, my my joke on this is, uh, <laughs> my joke on this is, uh, there's already been a great Ghostbusters film that was uh, starring Paul Rudd, and it was Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, by which I mean it's it's kind of a goofy goofy kind of sci fi comedy thing. Um, it's completely out of left field for the Marvel universe, and that's what makes it amazing. Um, I actually do really <laughs> like that one. Um, I've I've watched it. I've watched it a few times. It's 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 one of those like kind of uh, happy watches for me. I understand if you don't if it doesn't if it doesn't tickle your funny bone, you're not gonna be on board with it. I I I thought that movie just sucked, <laughs> you know, like so. But that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and and just to be equal, I will. Uh, throw DC under the rug here for a minute. I wasn't too keen on uh, Aqu- Aquaman. The cast was cool. It was actually kind of cool seeing Dolph Lundgren and William Dafoe in a scene together, but it just felt too much like a video game. It was just on autopilot. Yeah. And I mean, I'm to blame. I've never been a fan of the director's work on Fast and Furious and Saw, but it's like here, it was just way too overblown. 
when I ever felt involved. I wouldn't. I I thought actually Momo was better used in the actual Justice League team up movie than this one. And here it's like everyone's just like, let's do a stunt show. And it's like, well, what's the point? It's gonna just be in slow motion. It was cool the first time when you know Jackie Chan and the Matrix was doing it. Why do it for the billionth time? <laughs> yeah, um, oh. that movie feels weird. Like. I don't know, like, I, th- I think Wonder Woman works, but this one doesn't work at all. Like, it's just... Sorry, yeah, okay. Basically, like you say, they were imitating the Captain America Rocketeer formula, but then setting it in World War One. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Jane is a wonderful filmmaker. I've seen her work on, you know, I Am the Night and Monster, and it just felt like everyone was just on autopilot. Let's wear all the Greek goddess uniforms and, you know... I get that men are evil. <laughs> you don't have to tell it to me 20 different times. <laughs> I'm a man. I know how evil we can be. Yep. And, you know, my sister just was outraged when I told her I didn't like the movie. And I was just like, okay, I, I am a feminist. I can dislike a movie, too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of disconnect now with, like, the DC films where they're no longer like a big connected universe anymore. Like they're just kind of like make, well, we're just going to make standalone films from now on or whatever, you know, where they, they kind of jump the gun on their big team up and all that shit. And so it, I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's, 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 it's just kind of weird seeing that now. The irony is that the DC TV shows are apparently really good. I haven't really dug into it at all, but like I was seeing a lot of, I've saw, I saw like some of the clips from the crisis on infinite earths, earths thing on just youtube like it just showed up and i'm like yeah i'll watch five minutes of this and that looks like a ton of fun like just kind of goofy <laughs> comic book fun and i'm like this is way better than whatever than like the christopher nolan bullshit you've been feeding yeah. us you know on the on the big screen you know like oh. uh, you know yeah. Like, like yeah let's let's give us a damage. superman with like oh yeah well, I just feel like there's there's a sort of directionlessness to the DC stuff. Like it just it doesn't. It feels like they were trying to ape the Marvel universe stuff without really kind of understanding what made that tick, and not really kind of getting that like Iron Man as a character is somebody that nobody gave a shit about in 2008, and he can't do the same thing with Superman. You know, yeah. like because it's just a different dynamic in terms of like intellectual property. So. Um, I think they made the big. I think they made the big mistake not connecting their films to their TV series. They 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 should have like went hardcore into that. Whereas Marvel was just sort of like tangentially connected to the to their Netflix series or whatever. You know, just sort of oh, we'll reference the event that happened in New York a year ago or something. But you know, that's kind of just it. But where they, they should DC just sort of went fucking hardcore into it. It's like. Yeah, we're gonna use the TV flash in our fucking movies. So, you know, we're gonna we're bring him on board and shit like that. That probably would have worked. That if they made them fun instead of super dark. It's gonna be interesting what the next twenty years are like. How many people are gonna still be on board and how many are gonna be like, all right, enough already, you know? <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna be watching Marvel movies until I retire. That's gonna that's disgusting. <laughs> that's just like uh, my father really loved seeing Infinity War and Endgame in the theater because he's like, great, I don't have to see any of this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> it's pretty much the Lord of the Rings of Marvel. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, move over to you, Daniel. You're your worst of. Sure, you want me to just run through the list real quick? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I want to be clear, these are not, uh, quote-unquote, the worst I saw this year. I really, I don't see much bad stuff anymore because I just don't watch that much stuff. And, like, the stuff that's really bad, I just put off after three minutes. So, you know. Um, but these are the films that <laughs> I felt deserved sort of a spot of most disappointing or sort of like, what the fuck is this? Um, you know. Uh, In the Shadow of the Moon, which <laughs> I put on. Just based on like, oh yeah, like it looks interesting in the most boring time travel story ever. <laughs> um, I talked about this earlier uh, on a previous episode. Um, this was this was one I literally struggled through it just to see how if they were going to pull it out at the end, and they did not. They 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 had nothing. They had nothing. Um, you see, if you've seen a time travel movie before, you have seen this movie. I can assure you, um, it is. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've seen like early 90s direct-to-video like tbs shit that's that's um, <laughs> that's more thoughtful than this about time travel anyway um greaser's palace not a bad movie but not uh not where i think robert danny senior should have been um kind of a mishmash of like what the fuck is going on in this um mm-hmm. i really love putney swope i really want to see more robert danny senior this was not something that really gave me a lot to to like uh, unfortunately the one didn't age well. That's the biggest problem. No, it really didn't. Um, Soldier Blue, which is two <laughs> movies uh, fighting to um, get out of the same problem. Uh, it's two. It's two separate movies merged together. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's a meet cute romantic comedy uh, set in the old west, and it's a horrifying tale of a massacre, um, and uh, not in a good way. Uh, these two films don't work together at all. Um, both either of which would have been might have been like a, on my best of list independently mm-hmm. um they really should have made two films or chosen one to make um yeah. despite uh, some great performances some great like it's it's well made i like it this is not a film that's easy to recommend um this one is one i'm just gonna put on this list because i have no memory of either watching the film or recording the podcast and yet I know I watched it because I went and I heard my voice on the podcast. And that's Posse from Hell. Um, I looked at the plot summary and I went like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Um, I have no memory of it. Uh, maybe it was fine. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying I have no memory of it. So Both um, liked it. No, I, I thought I probably liked it. So, again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, like, based on the production of this podcast, I have no memory of it. And by based on the production of this podcast, that's like I was drinking heavily the entire process. So, um, and then the the one film that is the most disappointing film I've seen in a long time, and that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which I don't disagree with anything you say about it, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a deeply reactionary thing, and I think it's Tarantino like completely dropping the ball on something that like could have been sort of his masterpiece had he chosen to push himself a little bit harder um i think it's exquisitely well made i, I think the performances are amazing the the script is you know top notch i don't mind the revisionist history stuff i think there's some interesting stuff in there um but i think telling a story in 2019 about how you know who are the really put upon ones it's these kind of old school masculine males who uh you know kind of given the way up into uh the 70s yeah uh, yeah it kind of feels a little bit tone deaf for 2019 
Um, and uh, maybe you disagree that that's the message of the film. Um, yeah, I kind of do. Okay, well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna rewatch it, and we can discuss this later, my friend. All right. Um, because honestly, I I'm like, the biggest I'm the biggest defender of Tarantino. <laughs> like I'm I'm seriously a massive defender of Tarantino. And I saw this theatrically, and I thought he had like punched me in the face with a wet fish. Like that's kind of how I looked <laughs> at that film. Um, is is deeply disappointed because I have I was ready to go in there and love it and defend it uh, to all comers. And uh, uh, you went there. <laughs> so anyway, uh, deeply disappointing to me. And uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. My list, uh, American Made from 2017. Just a really shitty Tom Cruise vehicle that tries to be like Goodfellas, but it's 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 absolutely terrible. Uh, the real life story is much more interesting than what they portray here. And it's like, you know, it, it's one of those things where Tom Cruise, oh, I'm going to show my dark side and I'm going to be a little dirty. It's like, and it's like Tom Cruise is presented as... <laughs> nicest version of this really dirty scumbag motherfucker who like uh, ran drugs and and worked you know for the DEA and the fucking CIA or whatever fucking as an undercover guy running drugs to to the cartels and stuff like that but at the same time kind of running drugs on the side and then he eventually got killed for it and not only that he was a shitty father who had several wives and several kids and you don't really get into that in the film. It's just like it's just one family kind of thing, and there's like no re- like they just they try to make a redemption story for this guy who was just a piece of shit who who who, who rightfully died because he stuck his nose into the fucking cartel's business. So so fuck him and fuck this movie. It sucked. Um, another one uh, from 1959. Never so few. This is uh, Frank Sinatra and uh, Steve McQueen, one of his early roles. Um, this had the potential to be good because, you know, the actors and stuff are all good in it. But it's one of these war movies where it's like there's almost a war in it. It becomes like this weird romantic movie about uh, the girl that uh, Frank Sinatra has on the side outside of going into the war theater. So every time it, – it, it, like half the movie is just him – in this weird romance with this chick and it's not good at all. Although there is the novelty of Frank Sinatra with like beatnik uh, chin whiskers. No, oh, well, that, you know, yeah. that's worth it. Right. Yeah. 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 But you know, uh, Steve McQueen's good in it. Like he gets like highlighted a bit. Like this was one of the big things about this is that, Oh, Frank Sinatra's like, give that McQueen kid some more scenes. Cause he's going to be a big star, you know, and the queen, you know, he he uses all the screen time really well, but the rest of the movie is just like this fucking slog, and it just it sucks. Um, another one, Domino from 2019. This is the Brian De Palma film, and it's absolutely fucking terrible. It's like maybe the worst film he's ever made, and it's just this sloppy mess of like shit about terrorism and the media and how media treats terrorism and. It's absolutely fucking hot garbage. It makes no sense. Uh, you can tell like the money ran out at some point and he tried to patch together a movie. And it's like, it's a shame because De Palma's a really great filmmaker and he just, this is something I would not have attached my name to. He should have went Alan Smithy on this. It's that bad. Um, 
Another one I'll mention from 1967, Dr. Terror's Gallery of Horror. Of horrors, actually. <laughs> and it's this it's this shitty anthology film. Um, it's not to be mistaken with uh, the Amicus Dr. Terror uh, film. Um, this is a shitty one with, like, uh, Boris Karloff in it and... It all the anthologies in it, all the stories are terrible. None of them are good. None of them are effective. Um, and Karloff's even doing like the uh, wraparound segments as well, introducing all this shit. And it's just like one of the worst made anthology horror films I've ever seen in my life. And it, it, it was renamed several times and re-released several times. Like that tells you something. Back in 1967, uh, fucking garbage. Um, another one I'll mention <laughs> Holmes and Watson from 2018. <laughs> we, should, this... we really should have put that on our Sherlock Holmes list. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, this is I don't know why they thought this was going to be a good idea to make this film. It's just it's absolute shit. Like, it's both, it's like in a way, a kind of a parody of the fucking Robert Downey Jr films but it's not even that it's just it's absolute horse shit doesn't pay any respect to fucking the source material at all um it looks really good the the film looks great like it, it looks period appropriate everything like it looks like a big professional film and it's just got uh these two assholes fucking just riffing like i don't even know they had a script honestly like it's it it, it feels like uh a script that Leslie Nielsen would have passed on in, in late in his career. Like that it's that bad. Right, like right. a spoof. Um and the final one I'll mention is called Death House from 2017. And this was uh a film that was apparently based on a script that um Gunnar Hansen wrote. Uh the leather uh Leatherface himself wrote before he died. And then someone decided, let's make this into a movie. and Let's invite every fucking washed-up horror actor who does the sort of Comic-Con and different horror-con rounds, and let's give them a paycheck, and let's have them show up in cameos in this absolute piece of shit that makes no sense. Um, doesn't work on any level. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. It's not cute. Uh, it's just... Honestly, anyone who was involved in it should have been fucking embarrassed. Like this might be the movie that actually killed Sid Haig. Like it, it, it might have like it, it might have took a few months, but I think it killed Sid Haig. Like it was it was the film that killed. Him. I'm just gonna say it. Death was killed, and it might just kill all the other people who showed up in it too. Like honestly, their, their careers deserve to die for doing this because I don't think anyone in the cast has done anything worse than this. And uh, it's just an abomination, and no one should watch it. There you go. <laughs> Don't hold back, Lee. Tell us how you really feel. No, it's it's absolute shit. It's it's one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. And but yeah, that's <laughs> that's about it. That's about that's it, it, man. We're yeah. done. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cameron, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on, and we'll we'll definitely have you back. Though hopefully we'll get you on a laptop next time or something, so it'll be a little, the signal will be a <laughs> yeah. bit more stable. But um, <laughs> but you 
You, you do. <laughs> I do love that all we get is like the. <laughs> yeah. The audio here. <laughs> uh, but you you do have uh, a, a a podcast coming up, so uh, you can plug that and plug anything else you would uh, like to uh, tell the people. You got it. You got it. Okay. Yeah. I solely will be having the Jacked Up Review Show be coming out two weeks from now. We got various other people from the Almeida's God website. That was a fan site belonging to the TV show 24, but don't get, don't get me wrong. We'll be discussing way more than just that. We'll be discussing plenty of other shows that changed the edgy network TV game. And we have uh, various other reviewers from B-Movie Night and uh, – Everything I learned from movies set to appear on this podcast as well. So, <laughs> uh, we'd love to have you guys on the show. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, love to. You... Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh no, it was it was it was an uh, absolute pleasure. Uh, no, we'll absolutely. definitely have you on again. Um, <laughs> Daniel, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Daniel Lee Harper. I do another podcast uh, that's about uh, terrible people, uh, Nazis, uh, people that want to commit genocide, uh, and I tell you what they believe. And sometimes they threaten me with death. Um, and uh, you can find that at uh, I Don't Speak German. That's uh, uh, I Don't Speak German. Check it out. Yeah. And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our Apple Podcast, Facebook, and YouTube links. Join the Facebook group. Best way to get in touch with us, find out what's coming up on the podcast, um, make uh, recommendations for shit for us to watch, all that jazz. Um, so, Danny, what, what do you have any idea of what we might be doing next time? Uh, I've got a list. I think we'll have to discuss it. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, don't have the, the thing in front of me. Uh, it will be something from probably about 1915. That's the... That's the, the Sounds good. So, uh, it will be a silent. We'll be doing silence for probably about six weeks to two months. Um, <laughs> so, look forward to that, audience. Like, let's alienate everybody listening to us. You came to us for 1970s uh, horror and uh, sex comedies and uh, we're going to we're going to land you with a uh, 5 hour silent epics uh, for a while so uh, <laughs> no, we're we're, we're going to we'll have to talk about this but uh, yeah no it'll it'll be a silent we haven't really discussed which one is is coming up first but uh, it will it will be amazing so look forward to that yeah uh, just you know join the facebook group if you haven't joined and you'll yeah. you'll find out there before we do it so yeah uh, until then uh, thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye.
You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>